Have you ever worked for a boss that's bad? Don't raise your hands, especially if your boss is here. But have you ever worked for somebody and it just, it's just like dread? God's not like that. <laughs> He's not like that. And, and, and sometimes we process things through how we live on earth and somehow we put God in that same picture and say, because this happens on earth, this is how my God is. I'm here to tell you, God's not like that. He's good. I don't know about you, but I literally keep telling myself God is good. I keep, you say, well, don't you know? I know it, but i got to keep telling myself that. Maybe I'm a little slow. You know, how many times you... I don't, God is good. Hallelujah. When you come and worship, what do you expect? Do you expect a good time? I expect a great time in worship. And this morning, the worship, I, I just felt as we were worshiping, that it was kind of leading into what I felt to preach today. And we're going to talk about living above the noise, but I'm going to take a look at it from a different angle today. I'm here to tell you, you can live above the noise. I can al I'm also here to tell you, you can live in the noise. You, have you ever found like sometimes like it takes everything you got and you just can't get out of the mess? You know, you turn around and this person's grabbing at you. You turn around, that person's yelling at you. You go, I'm, and I've talked to a number of people, and it's funny because they say, I'm trying to live above the noise. I'm with you. And my mindset is that I will live above the noise, but sometimes I find myself living in the noise. And I've met, I've met people, I've talked to people all through my life, and I'm sure you've met some people too, they, they, they think, well, I deserve this. Have you ever met somebody, well, I just had this coming. Well, it's my lot in life. Well, I made a mistake. I got to dig myself out. I got to find my own way out of here. It's my fault. And, and, and I appreciate the honesty, but sometimes what we do is we actually disqualify God, if I could use that term, or we take Him and say, God, you can't do anything here because I messed up, I screwed up, I made this whole pile of crap around me, and I've just got to live in it. And, and sometimes we, 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 just, we take Him out of the equation well, that was my decision, so therefore I live with it. And I understand that mindset and that thinking, but I'm here to tell you that God's bigger than what you think. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture, and i got a young man who's going to read this passage to you this morning. Matthew, why don't you come up here? If you can turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. And I've got a, a number of thoughts today. I've got a couple verses that I want to share with you. 
I got like 25 points. I'm not sure how many I'm going to get through, but uh, grab that mic. Yes. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to read verses uh, 14, 15, and 16. Go for it. Therefore, since we have a, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of, sorry, to help in time of need. Amen. Yes, please. Today, I want to talk about living above the noise, and if I was to title my sermon, I would just title it Grace. Grace confuses me. It, it really confuses me. I, I haven't figured out this word grace yet. I got a little bit of understanding, but it, it's huge. It's huge. I was talking to somebody a couple months ago about grace, and they shared a perspective of it that I hadn't even thought about it. And, he, and as I was talking with them, they said, well, if you and I, David, had an argument and, and a disagreement, he says, he says, I've got to ask God for His grace to help me understand and appreciate. And it was like he took it into a relational thing. And I've always looked at grace as overcoming. But the more I look at grace, it's like it just, it expands. It expands and it expands. So this morning, I'm not even, I, I know I'm not going to do it justice, but I want to talk about living above the noise. And if you feel like you're living in the noise, I want to give you a word. It's called grace. And I want to take a few minutes this morning to see how you can apply grace in your life and unequivocally, without doubt, you can overcome. In this passage, I, I, come, I come back to this verse, especially verse 16, and that's the verse that I really want to spend some time thinking about this morning. It says, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And in another passage, it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And I love how he says this, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. You obtain mercy and you find grace. In the, in the message, and I think you might have that on your slides there, why don't you throw up on the message, and it starts with, now that we know what we have. So in the message, I, I like looking at different translations, different paraphrases, um, I study from the King James or New American, and, and, uh, but I find that many of these help me get a better picture. And it gives me a, just a different way of looking at it or different things to look. So when I, 
read this in the message. It says, now that we know what we have, do you know what you have? Jesus. You've got Jesus. You don't got milk. You've got Jesus. This great high priest. Now, in the, if you go back in the Hebrews, you find out that he's talking about the office of the high priest and what the high priest did and how the high priest functioned and what the high priest did for the people. And he's saying, we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God. The high priest was the one that had the access to God. In the Old Testament, it was the high priest was kind of God's mouthpiece. When Christ died on the cross, the veil was rent in two, and His presence, and it came to all of us. So in, as in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we have this dimension where the high priest now isn't man. The high priest is Jesus, and He's with God. He's got this relationship or this access with God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. Next verse. So let's walk right up to Him. <laughs> Let's walk right up to Him. Let's walk right up to Him. Well, I'm not worthy. Let's walk right up to Him. I don't deserve it. Let's walk right up to Him. Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've thought? Let's walk right up to Him. He's your high priest. And get what He is so ready to give. God wants to give you something today. And I don't care if you think you qualify or not. I'm here to tell you that God is ready to give it to you. So walk right up to Him and get what He is so ready to give. Take the mercy. Have you ever had somebody, take it! Take it! I'm here to tell you, take the mercy. Mercy is what, when you don't get what you deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And he, what he's saying here is, take the mercy. It's like he's, he's, a, he's a salesman. Take the mercy. Accept the help. Next verse. Take the mercy, accept the help. That's it. Okay. I have it right in front of here. I should have looked at my notes. So what do you need today? What do you need? We sang today that we've got living waters flowing inside of us. And we read in John 7, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come. And in this passage in Hebrews, it says, let us therefore come boldly. So if, I was, if you were to walk away with one thought today, and hopefully you'll walk away with a few, but if you're walking away with one thought today, I want you to know that God is receptive. God is approachable. God is available. 
In that passage that we read before worship, it says, if you're thirsty, come. Other passages, he, he says, come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, or weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's verse after verse, passage after passage, where Jesus extends the invitation. When you extend an invitation to somebody, what are you expecting them to do? To receive it. Well, why don't you come to my house? What you've done is you've extended a rep, a, an invitation. What do you think that person's going to do? You know what? They might just come to your house. Why? Because you've invited them. You know, I've invited people and then I go over to my wife, huh, they're coming. But Jesus isn't like that. He said, come. Come. He's extended an invitation. He is very receptive. What do you need today? What do you need today? Think about it. Think about, literally, take your pen and paper. And you might say, well, I need a lot. That's fine. What do you need today? Do you need finances? Do you need help in your relationships? Do you need strength? I am so exhausted. Do you need peace? Because I'm right in the middle of the storm. Do you need wisdom? Because I'm not sure what to do. Do you need a big hug? Because I just feel alone in this world. What is it that you need? And I have found and understood that all of us need something. Don't put up the mask that you don't. We all need something. What is it that you need? I want you to take a moment and think about if, if it was just if you could have anything you wanted, what would it be? What do you need? And sometimes people say, well, when you say that, then they're just going to say, I want money. No, people don't always want money. In fact, people would rather sleep well at night. I was talking to Gerarda, and she just mentioned, she says, I, I, I tried a little different thing this last week. And she says, and I have my devotions during the day, and I worship God. And she says, but at night, I've just changed it a little bit, and I'll just read a couple verses, and I get this peace. And she says, and I sleep. She wasn't saying, I get a dollar bill, and I sleep. I get peace. What is it that you need? What is it that you need? Now, if you've written that down, that's great. I want you to keep that in your mind because I want to just go through verse 16 very quickly here. It says, come boldly. So what I've done is I've just looked at some of these words and I kind of just look at the words 
And some people refer to it as an exegetical study. It's a big word, but it means kind of just taking words and understanding because we write them, we read them in English, but they came from an original language. So what you do is you go back to the original language and you kind of see how that word opens up. So that's all I've done. That's all I'm going to present to you today is I'm just going to give you words or thoughts as to what some of these words mean when they were written um, in the time that they were written. So not in King James language. King James is the 1600s. This is Greek. This was like zero, zero. This is when Jesus was walking around. First thing I want you to see, it says, come. So I've mentioned already, God is receptive. The word boldly. The word boldly has two words attached to it because it's got a preposition. And one of the words attached with the word boldly, I'll give you both of them, but one of them is midst, amidst, with. It gives you the picture that you're in the middle of something. The word boldly refers to being in the middle of something. Have you ever said, I can't talk to God right now because i got to get my act together? Anybody ever heard that phrase? i, I got to get things right before I can talk to God. I have to deal with this mess. I have to deal with this situation. Then I'll come and I'll talk to God. And he says, come boldly. And that word boldly, part of the word, uh, refers to in the middle of. I'm here to tell you that when you're in the middle of your mess, come. That's the spot where some of you that are desperate might say, thank you, God. So I'll say it again. When you're in the middle of your mess is when you come. There's a couple of you that caught that. Don't wait till you got it all figured out. Don't wait till the stars align because the stars will never align. And when they do, you'll miss it. And then you'll have to wait for Haley's Comet another 84 years. Don't wait for this to happen, that person to do this, this person to do that, me to do this. Just come in the middle of your mess. Come in the middle of your storm. Come. And the word boldly also means frankly, outspoken. Do you think God knows what you're going through? Do you think He knows what your thoughts are? Do you think He hears the words you say when you walk out the door and nobody's around? When you're ready to kick the door or kick the cat, and I'd never do that. When you're ready to put your fist through the wall because you are so frustrated with that idiot. Come on. I'm human. I see idiots every day. Not me. I was driving yesterday. It wasn't me here. I was driving yesterday and this guy pulls in front of another car in front of him and the guy behind him puts his hand out the window and he starts waving him usually with a single finger, you know, and he's just waving his way and he's angry and upset. I've been there, not with a single finger, but I've been there. 
blessing them, wanting to lay my hands on them. Come boldly in the middle of, and then don't be, don't think you have to speak holy language to God. You don't have to come up to Him and say, Thou Lord, me, thy servant, the lowly David, who is in the midst of a storm of proportions of which I cannot contain, require your admittance and your acquiesce to my request. Would you please extend? No, you just say, come and help! Come on. When you're in the middle of it, when you are in the middle of it, it's funny, we don't recognize when we're at the start of it, but we always recognize when we're in the middle of this storm. He says, come boldly in the middle of that storm, speak. God, help me. And if you say there's jerks around you, you're probably being honest. And if you read the passages in the Bible, David was a pretty honest at times. And he says, boy, there's some enemies, there's some guys. And, he, and even Paul sometimes used, he, he was pretty, you know, these guys, they just want evil of me. And I'm not saying you run around and you say, you meant evil for me. You meant, no, you talk with God, but you come to God and just lay it out to Him. I'm surrounded by turkeys. And I'm an eagle. And he says, you might want to check where you're living then. Come boldly. Unto the throne of grace. Have you ever seen a movie? We were watching a movie last night. And don't condemn me here. But we were watching uh, Superman. Man of Steel? Okay. I don't know the title. But there's this conflict and one of the guys uh, from the other planet, the other Krypton, they're talking. But you know where they're talking? They're talking kind of in their place of authority. Have you ever seen movies? When you see a movie about the White House, where do they put the president? Oval Office. Why? Place of power. When you see pictures of medieval times and somebody comes to the king, where do they come to the king? On the throne. Why? Place of power. That's where edicts are made. That's where declarations are made. That's where the judgment is passed down. And even in movies, you get this picture and you see these monumental discussions or these judgments and they're made in this picture of authority, whether it's the power room or the, the room where they got the, the, everybody strategizes or whether it's in the enemy's camp and, he's in, and, and it, they, they put this picture of a place of authority. And at this place of authority is where the decision is made. So man of steel, that's what they did. And they had this discussion and then all of a sudden they decided and he says, release! And he made this declaration. That's about as far as it goes, Olivia. She's sitting there going, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? She's asking the wrong person. 
But he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the place of authority. Did you hear me? When you come to God, come to the place where edicts are delivered. Come to the place where judgments are given. Come to the place where power is displayed and it is final. That is the place. If you meet the king somewhere else, at the end of the day, if there's a dispute, it comes back to the throne. Whenever there's a, it comes back and final, if there has to be final judgment, it's from the throne. When you're in trouble, you give in the middle of everything, in the middle of the storm, come to the throne, come to the place of judgment. And he says, come to the throne of grace. Come to the place of unmerited favor. Come to the place of unearned favor. You don't earn it. You don't do six steps of this and three of that and how many Hail Marys and everything else and all this and that. To make, you just come boldly to the throne of power, of grace, to the place where judgments are delivered. You and I have the ability to do that immediately. We don't have to ask for an edict, we don't have to ask for permission to get a date to see the king. He makes it available when you need it. Hallelujah. If I was sitting down there, I might actually stand up and say, preach it, brother. Maybe not, but I'd think about it. <laughs> Come to the throne of grace that you may obtain Mercy. And the word obtain there is the same word that they use in Acts 1.8 when it says you shall receive power. And that word means to take hold of. Take hold of the mercy. Take hold of the mercy. The person writing Hebrews here is painting this picture of what we have as believers, as followers of Christ, as sons and daughters of the King. And he's giving you a prescription. He's writing out the doctor's orders and it's a prescription. Take six pills daily. No, come boldly. And then he says, take hold, receive mercy. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I did something wrong, I feared my dad. Rightfully so, by the way. Rightfully so. Boys and girls, you obey your parents. And if you don't, fear your mom and dad. That's a good thing. But also, there were times when my dad, in his discipline, would wash it away and he would just give me mercy. And it wasn't deserved. Because if it was honest, he would have kicked my butt or he would have done something else, you know, slapped me over the head, something, sometimes spank. 
My dad, when I say kick my butt, by the way, my dad was a soccer player, so he didn't use his toe. He learned how to use his instep. So it didn't, it, he was very gracious in how he kicked my butt. And it wasn't very often. But take hold of the mercy. Maybe it did for Pastor Daniel, but I don't have the... the <laughs> next time he preaches, he might share some of the... Take hold of the mercy. Who here has a need? Come boldly. Don't wait till it's finished. Don't wait till the mess is over. Come now in that storm to the power, the place where the power is dispatched. And it's a place of unmerited favor and unearned favor. And come and obtain, grab on to his mercy. Grab on to the fact that, you know what, my God is so gracious, I deserve that, but I get this, and I'm going to grab it, and I'm not going to let it go. You say, I don't deserve it. I don't care. It's his mercy. He set the rules. He set the rules. Obtain mercy. And then he says, find grace. And I just laughed when I saw this verse. When you look up the word find, one of the words associated with is hit you. Let his grace hit you. The first thing I think of is the commercial, the V8 commercial. And the guy's exercising away and he's doing everything he can to live right and to be honest of, you know, with his physical body. And then the lady says, did you have your vegetables this morning? And he says, no. And should have had a V8. It was hit. He just got hit with it. Have you got your grace today? No. Get hit with the grace. Better be careful. You get too close to me. I said, have you had your grace? And I might just... There's your V8 gospel style. Come on. Let his grace hit you. Let it like just... What just happened? Where did that come from? It's called the grace of God. I can't figure it out. People might accuse me of being too greasy with my grace. I don't know. But I, I, I just know that He's good. He's good. David, when he was in trouble, he numbered the children of Israel and the prophet came to him and said, hey, you've got three choices. You're going to have famine. You're going to have your enemies chase you for a few months. Or you can let God deal with you. And he says, I'd rather fall into the hands of the living God. And it says that God started to discipline him. And the angel went doing his thing. And then God stopped the angel. He stopped him before he even finished the destruction. I mean, that's a picture of grace. God said to the prophet, these are the three things that are going to happen. Pick one. He picks one and he says, well, I'm going to pick God because if I fall into God's hands, there's a chance that God might just be merciful to me. And he might just show a bit of grace. And I deserve all this. 
And God said, this is going to happen, but I'm going to put my trust in God and my hope in God. And I've messed up. I've screwed up. I've said mean things. I've been mean. I've done this. I've planted seeds. I've sowed seeds. But if I'm going to fall into anybody's field of right or wrong, I'm going to fall into God's. Because he might just show me grace. Because man ain't going to do it. That's what David said. And God started the repentance and the discipline process. And then he calls the angels and he says, enough. That's a picture of grace. God's grace. Even when it was decided what was happening, David said, I'm going to fall into God's hand because there's a chance. There's a chance. He'll give me grace. Let it hit you in the head. Now, if you got kids and you go home, don't say grace. And <laughs> I can see it now. Six concussions. Grace is the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to man, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. Grace comes from the giver, not from the recipient. You don't negotiate the levels of grace. Grace is negotiated from the one who gives the grace. And the one who gives grace has it coming from his bounty and his benevolence. He doesn't have a little dab will do you. He's got more than enough. The motive is found in the giver. I, we talk about grace. When you think about grace, think about Jesus. Because he's the one that determines the distribution of grace. And his motive is only from him. I'm just about done to help. The word help there refers to a rope. One of the words refers to a hope. Have you ever seen somebody in water and they just need help? What do you usually throw to them? You don't just throw a little boy. You throw the boy connected with a rope. And then they can pull him back. If you need help today, God wants to throw His line out to you. Grab it. Grab the mercy. Let the grace hit you on the head if it has to. And then hang on. Because that's His rope. That's His help. And then He finishes the phrase and the verse by saying, in time of need. What do you need today? What do you need today?
if you were to sit down with God and talk with Him and be completely honest with Him, because I think sometimes that's hard for us to do, but if, 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 if you got past the tears, got past the embarrassment, got past the shame, got past the thoughts of me, 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 and you were to sit down and have a conversation with God, and He was to look at you with His eyes and say, what do you need? I don't know about you, but that would get to the heart of the matter. So I'm here to ask you as God's representative, what do you need? What do you need? And when I think about that, I think just about everyone here would stand up with something. What do you need this morning? Maybe you just need help. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Maybe you just need the ability to be real, but you don't know how to do it. Maybe you need a healing. Little Aiden, not feeling well. Praise God. He doesn't have to live through it. Not when you're on the watch. Have the attitude that I don't care if, it's, if he's teething, I don't care if he's got a little fever, I'm going for healing. What is it that you need? We will tend to put God out of the equation. Well, I'll get over this. Well, why don't you let him help you get over it? Well, you know what? Next week it's going to be over because it's just the end of the month and then this and why don't you just let him help you get over the end of the month? Because the next month is going to be just as ugly. Been there, done that. What is it that you need help with? I'd like you to close your eyes. And I'd like you to have a little conversation with God. I'm going to pray, but before I pray, I'm going to want it quiet for a moment. And I'd like every one of you to talk with God. What is it that you need? Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning. We all have needs, maybe various levels of desperation, God, but my need is desperate, certainly desperate to me. 
So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to come boldly, which goes against everything I thought before, but I'm going to approach you in the middle of this mess. And I'm going to come to the place of your power, the place where you make judgments, the place where you say this is the final word, the final authority, and this is what happens. And I'm coming there. I'm going to obtain mercy. I'm going to take, grab a hold of your mercy, which I don't deserve. It certainly goes against what I did, but I'm, I'm going to grab it, God. You may want to raise your hands as an act of faith to receive. I'm going to grab your, your mercy, God, which was given to me before I was even born. You displayed it and you showed it. And I'm going to receive it. I'm going to grab it, Lord, because my need is desperate. I can't do this anymore, God. This drives me crazy. But at your throne, you've got power. Your throne is above all other thrones. And that's where I'm coming. And I'm going to hang on to your mercy. And I'm going to let your grace hit me in the head. Because I seem to miss it otherwise. <laughs> So hit me, God, because right now is the time of need. Don't let me wait any longer. I'm here to tell you there's grace for you. Whatever your need is, there's grace. Unmerited favor. And you can do this every single day if you need to. You can call on Him every single day if you need to. So this morning as we, we take in this time, I just want to, I want to tell you that God's grace is there for you. And I'm just learning about His grace. It's amazing. It is truly amazing. Because if I was in charge, it wouldn't happen that way. <laughs> if I was in charge, I'd want to make everybody pay. But He's not like that. And because he's not like that, I can't be like that. I got to be like him. So if you need grace, literally grab hold of his mercy and let his grace hit you. Find his grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.